From The Conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where Michelle discusses the issues of the day with The Conversation's politics team. Hi, my name's Amanda Dunn. I'm the Politics and Society Editor for The Conversation, and I'm speaking with Michelle Grattan. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Amanda. Only a few sleeps to go. <laughs> Four more. We're nearly there. Michelle, this last week, since since the Liberals had their launch on Sunday, has been dominated by their announcement that they would allow first home buyers to dip into their superannuation in order to purchase their first home. How's that playing out for them? The Liberals have hoped that this will be seen as a, a big new policy and it will give them a bit of momentum. Uh, my impression is that uh, it's probably pretty popular with some people. On the other hand, it has had some pushback from economists and uh, other critics, so it's not clear-cut. Of course, Labor has a competing scheme out there that would involve uh, the government investing in the homes of a limited number of people to help them lower-income earners. I doubt that this really is something that will make a huge difference because it's come very late in the campaign and while there are still quite a few people making up their mind, the majority of people would have made up their mind and I think that this is playing at the margin. Okay. And Michelle, with such a short time to go until the election on Saturday, I thought we could just take a look at a few seats that will be of particular interest. Now, obviously, there's the the big picture about who wins, who's able to form government at the end of it all. But there are little micro contests that are particularly interesting this time. So let's just take a look for a moment at the seat of Wentworth in New South Wales. What's going on there? That is particularly interesting. It's one of the teal seats. It has been held by an independent in the past, now, of course, held by Dave Sharma for the Liberals. Now, the University of Canberra and The Conversation have sponsored some research in that seat over the campaign, and our latest round, which we uh, reported uh, at the weekend, shows that uh, Dave Sharma really has a, a big struggle in that seat. No one's calling these teal seats at the moment, but uh, certainly he's under the pump from independent Allegra Spender in that seat. Okay, and let's go now to the Northern Territory where Lingiari is one of only two seats in the Northern Territory. What's the contest there about? Long-time member Warren Snowden is uh, retiring at this election, so that's uh, an open contest uh, held by Labor. I think that Labor believes that we'll retain that seat, although the coalition has uh, been pretty active there, has had some hopes, but one would expect that Labor starts with a a reasonable advantage in that seat. And, of course, we might make the more general point, Amanda, that Labor, we've been talking about Labor picking up seats. It can't afford to lose too many seats because that then wipes out any gains. Okay, now across in WA, there's a lot of interest in a few seats, but let's just take a look for a moment at the seat of Pierce Michelle. What's happening there? This is the seat that's been vacated by Christian Porter, 
who of course uh, had a, a dreadful uh, last parliamentary term and in the end decided to give up politics and, and go back to the law. Labor has uh, hopes in that seat. It's been uh, working very hard. More generally, of course, it hopes to pick up uh, two or three Western Australian seats to help it get across the line. Pierce is on a quite substantial margin, so will be difficult, but will be very closely watched on the night. Okay, and the very blue ribbon seat of Kuyong in Victoria is one that has attracted a lot of attention because it's Josh Frydenberg's seat, but he's under serious challenge from independent Monique Ryan. What's likely to happen there, do you think? Another teal seat, and this is really the showstopper contest of the night because if Josh Frydenberg loses and the government loses uh, then uh, the Liberal Party is in a pretty parlous state. Of course if uh, Scott Morrison hung on and Josh Frydenberg lost then uh, Scott Morrison would be without a treasurer. I think that while it's felt that Josh Frydenberg really has his back against the wall in this seat, many people feel that in the end he will hang on, that votes will come back to him. But again, as with other high-profile teal seats, you wouldn't want to be predicting. But one thing can be said that Josh Frydenberg will leave absolutely no stone unturned. Today, he had uh, John Howard down there campaigning with him. He's got uh, a very active endorsement from Heather Henderson, who's uh, now in her 90s. She's the daughter of Robert Menzies, who, of course, held Kuyong. And in Robert Menzies' day, you would have never thought to be talking about Kuyong as an individual seat, as a, a seriously contested seat. So times have dramatically changed and indeed that electorate demographically has also changed. But keep your eyes peeled on Saturday night on Kuyong. Boothby in South Australia, it's often referred to as a bellwether seat, that term that we seem to pull out election times. How is that likely to fall, do you think? Again, that's been uh, closely fought between the Liberals and uh, Labor. There, there is an independent candidate, but uh, basically I think that it's a, a contest between the major parties. Nicole Flint, you'll remember she very uh, strongly protested about the sexist uh, behaviour she'd received, bad behaviour in the last campaign. She decided that she'd had an, enough of politics. So, uh, again, the, the Liberals are looking to a new candidate to hold that seat. It's about the only seat in South Australia that's in play. Sometimes uh, there's uh, talk about Sturt in the campaign. Campaign, but I think that Boothby is uh, the serious one there, could go either way. Okay, Michelle, and finally, of course, we don't know what's going to happen on Saturday night, but one of the possibilities is that there will be a hung parliament, which means that neither Labor nor the Coalition have enough seats to form a majority government. What will happen then? It would depend on the relative numbers. You could have a situation, for example, where Labor was very close to a majority but not quite there, or you could have a situation where the, the coalition was close to a majority, or you could have somewhere in between. So where the negotiation started and who were the most important crossbenchers would really depend on those relativities. 
Now, crossbenchers have, of course, been, for the most part, pretty coy about how they would conduct themselves uh, if there was a hung parliament, and that's the crossbenchers who are there already, and we expect to be most of them to be re-elected, not all but most. And the Teal candidates have been also coy. So exactly how those negotiations would go, we're not sure, but certainly uh, there would have to be a point reached where enough crossbenchers gave indications that they would support one side or the other on supply and confidence. Certainly the Teal people would want to be told or given uh, some indications the going the other way on policy, especially on climate, the Integrity Commission, and so on. So you'd have a situation of indications, I think, rather than formal deals like we saw in 2010. Those formal deals seem to have gone out of fashion. All right. Well, Michelle, only four more sleeps and we will hopefully have answers to some of these questions. It's been great to chat with you as always. Thank you very much. I think in not much sleep, perhaps on Saturday night, Amanda. (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. Bye. Our theme music is by Blue Dot Sessions. You can find more podcasts from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com.